DJ Simulationistas, sup, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulationista Sup. You're here with Janice Pelaganis and And Dan Raymer. Sup, Janice. What's up, Dan? So, Dan, I want to pick your brain about something. Okay. I had this really great conversation with our wonderful colleague from Boston Children's, Rick Blum, and he's doing some work on empathy, teaching residents empathy. What it brought up for me is something that we struggle with when we teach our courses, which is To become a good educator, you have to have or hold respect for your learner and the other people in the room. And, you know, many times the topic of if you don't have the respect, can you fake it (laughs) comes up. (laughs) And so, you know, in the beginning, I think I was really interested in this topic thinking, you know, maybe we could teach people how to fake it and then that would then allow them to hopefully gain the respect that they're trying to portray. And over time, I'm, I've started to think, what a waste of time to teach someone how to fake it because it's just like a thin slice of time and they're just bound to, to lose the trust of their learners or, you know, whomever they're trying to show respect for, their patients, because they don't really have it within. We talk a lot about Uh, For example, delivering bad news and the steps to delivering bad news. Well, why do you need to know the steps when if you truly are empathic, you don't need to remember those steps. You're going to do it naturally. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, My first thought was uh, I'm so glad Rick is working on this. I love Rick. He's certainly uh, uh, someone who demonstrates his empathy for others all the time. Ah, he's fantastic. Uh, and I, I do wonder how much of things like that are teachable. Certainly, I've met people in my life that seem to lack the basic empathy and respect for others. Uh, sometimes we put you know, psychological labels on them. But it does make you wonder, you know, how much of it is in people from their upbringing and their biology and so on, and how much of it is teachable. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's kind of an age-old question, you know. So, so I often think about this, as you know, I'm a uh, frustrated sports fanatic. And uh, I'm actually, I was born with severe athletic limitations. I cannot run fast. Uh, it has been proven over and over again. And I think if I practiced running, which I have, uh, I still would never be Usain Bolt. I'm just not. You know, I just don't have the build and the muscle structure to be a fast runner. And 
you know, that isn't to say that I can't learn to optimize the tools that I have. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I am not a great athlete, but I've become a pretty good tennis player because I've learned to, you know, optimize uh, the skills that I do have. And I continue to take lessons because I think it's an ongoing process. And I do feel like I, you know, very slowly and frustratingly get better over time. And I, I suspect the same thing. I don't know any reason why the same thing wouldn't be true about emotional characteristics. Um, really? Yeah. Okay, like, wait, wait, wait. I got to throw this at you. So what is the sport you like to play the least or that you don't like playing at all? How about that? Too hard a question. I, I can't oh my think gosh, of a just sport. pick one. I can't think of a sport that I hate um, playing. Swimming. Do you like swimming? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Swimming. Swimming. Okay. So, so if we got you in the pool and taught you the steps to do breaststroke, let's say, uh-huh. do you think that that would actually help your emotions to enjoy it and want to do it and be a swimmer? I think it would... It, it would contribute in that direction. I mean, I know because because uh, I do have this tendency to drown, and and uh, <laughs> and at various times in my life, I've taken lots of swimming lessons, and I've at one point in my adult life, I decided that I should uh, uh, enjoy swimming. I should learn to swim, and I belonged to a health club that had a beautiful pool. And so I swam every evening after work, every Uh evening for a year. And? Every day I swam. And and when I first got in the pool, I could only make it a quarter of the way uh, of the length of the pool. And, uh, you know, I didn't drown. That's good. By the end of the year, I could barely make it to the other end. (laughs) Um, But I did improve. Not that much. I did improve. And Uh uh, at the end of the year, I said to myself, uh, I hate this. Why am I doing this? So I think this is so interesting because it's like, you know, so my big question is if we teach people the steps when it when they feel like it's not natural to them, right, mm-hmm. does it allow them to do it more or is it just temporary? Like yeah. they'll try it for a year, do it, and then it's just uh, not me. Uh, it's just not me. But but it's a but there's a big difference between something that is completely optional and recreational and something that is your job responsibility. If you're an intensive care physician and you have to, you you might enjoy the the decision making and the solving of the puzzles and the multiple aspects of treatment of patients in the intensive care unit, and you might consider having to deliver bad news as a necessary but unpleasant part of your job that you don't like, but you have to learn to do it. You have to do it, and I suggest you have to learn to do it as best as you can, even if you're a uh, cold fish kind of person, you still have to learn to 
deliver bad news as best as you can. But but that's making the assumption, which is such a wonderful assumption that, that you're making, that people will choose to take on the responsibility that they've selected. I think there's also the fact that some people choose not to when it's a part of the job they don't like. Well, yeah, and I think that's a pretty extreme situation that, uh, you know, really requires some intervention. I mean, let's face it, if you're an intensive care doctor and you're the doctor on call and uh, there's the bad news to be delivered, someone uh, someone uh, uh, dies in the ICU and you have to tell the family, uh, you know, you know, you can avoid it once, you can avoid it twice, but you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it in the long run. Uh, I agree. They, they, you can't avoid it, but you could choose to work on your empathic concern and develop that so that you're able to do this better. Or you could choose not to develop that and just deliver it the way you've been doing, which may be received as very insensitive. Uh kind of traumatic, you know. So I think it's a choice. I I think it is a choice, but I think it catches up with you that, you know, that if you're you're an intensivist and you repeatedly uh, um, receive criticism for your lack of empathy, that that's going to catch up with you in in job selection and people are not going to hire you and people are not going to um, have much... um, confidence in you generally. So, so I say, I say that, I say that knowing that, you know, that I've worked with, uh, several very fine surgeons who, uh, who seem to lack empathy and have, you know, a, a quote, terrible bedside manner. And because they're excellent technical surgeons, somehow they, uh, thrive in the healthcare world. So, you know, I think you're right. I think you can choose not to work on those things. And if you're good enough in other areas, you get away with it. Well, see, I like your phrase, you know, it catches up with you because I, I think that's what I'd really like to explore is as an educator, if you've got students who are lacking this, is it more worthy of your time to try to reframe the foundation, the moral foundation, the, you know, the, the foundation of respect with a student, which is a lot of investment in time and exploration and um, conversations and applications and practice? Or is it more worthy of your time to be teaching as we talked about in our last podcast, algorithms of um, steps on how to appear empathic or respectful. It's a good question. The whole the whole faking it thing uh, is fascinating. Obviously, uh, people who are actors and actresses are faking it all the time, and we place a lot of value on them and what they convey. Uh, in in that light, faking it is you know is a great attribute. Meryl Streep, you know, we think she's a great actress because she can fake it, and 
because that's what acting is, I guess. Well, there's probably value in learning to do something, even if it isn't completely sincere. I don't know how you separate them. I, I, I just... I, my concern is, um, you know, as we have been studying teamwork, we teach it, um, we practice it ourselves, and you and I have had this discussion of how important trust is and how when, once you lose it, it's it's it can feel impossible to gain back and um, it's very difficult to get back. And I think faking it is like a thin slice of your practice. And when it's revealed, like it'll catch up with you later if you're not truly respectful uh, or care, if you, if you just don't care, it's going to catch up somewhere and, and you lose that trust. And that's even more detrimental if, if someone you know, feels the empathy from you and then realizes you're just really not. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's going to leak somewhere. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I'm just thinking of an example of the opposite, though. Uh, okay. I, I, this really stuck with me. Uh, uh, we, were, we were doing a scenario for a while uh, which involved empathy. So it was a, I was in an anesthesia setting. It was a case of intraoperative awareness. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I wound up playing the patient. And after the case, the trainees had to come and talk to me. And I basically gave them a very hard time about uh, what was said in the op- in the operating room, and you know, really pressed them to be empathetic with me as a patient who had been wronged in some way or felt wronged in some way. And I had this one particular trainee who I thought did a particularly bad job of it, and I didn't know her, but she struck me as being quite cold and impersonal. And, uh, and I, I, I remember thinking, you know, she just needs to, she just needs the feedback here and she'll be able to get this and improve her practice. And so I, you know, tried to muster all the skills I had and I really, I really tried to give her the feedback, you know, gently, but firmly you know, really work with her. I had, I had, I think I had all the respect for her possible and, and, you know, really was working on improving her. And, um, and then not only did she say this in her, in her evaluation, but she wrote an email to the, to the residency director, the chairperson or something saying how terrible the simulation was and who was that guy who thought he could give her feedback <laughs> on empathy and uh she just really railed against me and i thought oh well you know <laughs> what are you going to do You're like i'll go swimming <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just, oh. you know, I was, I just thought I had done such a good job, and uh, and she did not. <laughs> <laughs> and she had, she clearly had no respect for me. Maybe that was even if, even if she didn't like what I told her or the way I told her, she, she certainly didn't indicate she appreciated that I was 
truly trying to help her. <laughs> well, but. so I think you're bringing up the next question, which is like, if if you do decide to take the the more foundational route, how do you teach respect? And I think that's kind of an age old dilemma that everybody is wondered in healthcare education and we should do that on our next podcast. Yeah, sounds like an interesting topic. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, what can you learn and what can't you learn is always a, a age-old question that's fun to try to answer. Well, I'm empathic of time and respectful for our listeners' time. So thanks, Dan, for letting me pick your brain and... Thank you for um, respecting it's me. It's nice to talk about it. I respect you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Have Take a good care. day. Bye. DJ Simulationistas, sup? Is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>